Uh, special warm welcome to you. If you're new or visiting with us today, uh, we're so glad that you chose to be with us here today. Uh, just as Brian mentioned, we're really excited. Uh, this time of year is so important for us as a church, right, and for people who don't know Jesus. And so uh, we would love for you to invite someone to church with you next week. Uh, Easter is one of those times where it's just really easy uh, to be invitational. So you can find these little invite cards uh, there at the back of the room, also in the front. Uh, Just a simple way to say, hey, come check out Easter with me. Uh, We'd love for you to be invitational. Uh, Well, today we're we're finishing our series, Jesus in Genesis. And uh, I hope that you really have enjoyed this series just as much as I have. Uh, We've been looking through the first book of the Bible right in Genesis, and we've been uh, kind of looking at stories of characters where Jesus, uh, there's some parallels to the life of Jesus, right? And so we've been doing that over the last couple of weeks. We, we looked at uh, Abraham and Isaac. We've looked at Jacob. And today, uh, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite Bible characters. Maybe you can relate to, what, uh, to this as well. It's the story of Joseph, right? Many of us know Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoats, and there's like a play with it. And so we're going to break through that today, and we're going to look at the story of Joseph, and we're going to see that there's more to just uh, just the story. In fact, if we look deeply into the life of Joseph and relate it to Jesus, we we know that there's some 100 parallels uh, between what happened in the life of Joseph and what happened in the life of Jesus. So today, you guessed it, we're going to go through all 100 of them. Are you ready? Just kidding, that would take forever. Uh, but we are going to go look at five specifically today, and uh, before we do that, why don't we, we ask God to be with us as we dig into his word. Lord Jesus, I ask, Father God, that you would open up our hearts to receive what it is that you want to uh, teach us today, God, in the life of Joseph and Jesus, and how, uh, God, your plan for redemption has been from the very beginning of the Bible. Lord, we don't just uh, read about Jesus in the New Testament, God. We know that everything about Scripture points to him. And so, God, I I thank you for that truth, and I ask, Lord, that you would pierce our hearts and our minds today with the truth of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So we're going to jump in. If you have your Bibles open, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. Uh, Many of us know that that's kind of the the latter part of Genesis is the story of Joseph. And so we're going to be kind of jumping around in there today. And and what we're going to do specifically is we're going to start out by looking at five parallels. So five kind of key parallels between the life of Jesus and Joseph. And the first thing that I want us to see here today is this is that Joseph and Jesus were both loved and praised by their fathers. There's this dynamic, this father-son relationship. It's a special relationship. And if you remember last week, we talked about Jacob, right? Jacob uh, was, uh, made some mistakes in his life. He, he had some sin in his life. He, he thwarted this plan to steal from his family. And so he was kind of on the run. And, and he, he, he had some shame and probably some difficulty that was going on in his life. But God was faithful, right? God showed up to Jacob in a dream. And he showed him that he was going to continue his covenant promise with him. Uh, We know all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God made this promise to Abraham that he was going to bring a great nation through Abraham. And what we see is that Jacob was a part of that plan. Abraham was Jacob's grandfather, and so God is still going to use Jacob despite his shortcoming. In fact, Jacob's so special that his name is changed. His name was changed to Israel. He was that special. And so we see in Genesis chapter 29, uh, Jacob uh, starts a family. 
And so uh, we read that Jacob has two wives, uh, Leah and Rachel. Uh, Rachel is his favorite, and he has children with Leah, but he can't have any children with Rachel. And so there's this interaction where God shows up and says, listen, I'm going to bless you with a child. And they go late into their life and still no child. But then God is faithful to him, and then Joseph is born. And so here's where we pick up the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 through 4. We read this. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. This is miraculous birth, if you will. So so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for him, a beautiful robe. And so here's what we know when we read this story. So Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. There was this element of favoritism going on, if you will. You know, kind of like this golden child mentality. There was this relationship that he had with him. He was born to him in his old age. And so he, he, he made uh, no mistake about it. He let everyone know that Joseph is my favorite. He made him a, a beautiful robe. And so here you have this dynamic, this relationship, where there's this special bond between Joseph and his father. Now, if you remember when you were with us in week three, we saw this again, didn't we? We saw this between Abraham and Isaac, right? There was this very close father-son relationship, and there was this difficult interaction that God asked him to do. And I think that this is on purpose, because really what this is doing is we see this dynamic between father and son, this very close relationship, and it sets us to an understanding of God the Father and his special relationship with his one son, Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus came onto the scene many years later in the New Testament and, and he had grown up and he was beginning to start his ministry, he was baptized. And there was this miraculous event, right, where the Holy Spirit kind of descended on Jesus and God audibly spoke. And do you remember what he said to him? What he said to, to him when he was being baptized in, in Matthew chapter 317, it says, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And so we see this relationship between father and son. But here's, here's what's so interesting. When we look at the relationship between Jacob and Joseph, we see this element of uh, of favoritism. We see kind of this worldly relationship where he's kind of elevating his emotions and his feelings for his son. But what we see in the life of God and his son Jesus is much different. You see, what God does through his son Jesus is he demonstrates his love for all of mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. Right? We see this picture that God just didn't have this special relationship with Jesus alone. In fact, God gave Jesus to the world so that he could display his love to us through his son. Right, one of the, uh, the verses that we all know so very well, many of us know it by heart, John 3.16, it says this, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, his dearly loved Son, so that whosoever would believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And so what we see here is this bigger, special, more intentional relationship between God and Jesus as he displays and demonstrates his love for all of mankind. So that's number one. We see this relationship and how it, how it leads us into understanding who Jesus is and what he means for us. The living God calls you and I his own. The living God wants to be in a personal relationship with you and I, and he does that through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Let's look at the next parallel of Joseph. Uh, The next parallel that we're going to see is that Joseph and Jesus were both envied and hated without cause. Both Joseph and Jesus were both envied and they were hated without cause. You know, here's the thing. Uh, when there's favoritism in a family, there's going to be a little family drama, right? You know, if, you have, if you're the golden child in here, I won't have you raise your hand because I'll pick on you if you are. But, but we know if we have a golden child, there's always some kind of drama, right? They can do no wrong. Everything's given to them with the golden spoon, right? Everything's always kind of focused and, and, and looked upon like, oh, look at so-and-so. You know, we get these, these feelings of like, obviously, they're the, the golden child, and, you know, I think what happens is, is many of us aren't angry with the sibling of ours that's the golden child, but typically it's because there's some kind of jealousy and there's some kind of something in us that causes us to have this type of friction. You see, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. Joseph didn't choose to be, uh, you know, birthed to Rachel, uh, you know, Jacob's favorite. Joseph didn't choose to end up being, you know, Jacob's favorite son. Joseph didn't choose uh, to have his dad give him this robe in front of his, his family members. Joseph didn't choose any of these things, but he was envied because of it. They were angry at him because of it. You know, in reality, what should have happened is they should have been mad at their father, right, for having these uh, different kinds of feelings and, and favoritism towards him. But that's not what happened. In fact, we read that in Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him. They hated him. Hate is a very, very strong word, isn't it? It says they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They were so angry, they were so jealous, they were so you know, hurt, possibly, that they, they hated their brother. They despised him. They had nothing good to say about him. And that was all because his father loved him more than the rest. Now you might say, well, what does this have to do with Jesus? Like, what does this parallel have to do with Jesus? Well, I believe it has everything to do with Jesus. Because you see, Jesus was commissioned and called and loved by his father to come into this world, to leave the confine and the glory of heaven, to step into this earth, To be born in the most humble way, God, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh, born in a manger, he did nothing wrong. In fact, not only did he do nothing wrong, he did everything right. He healed people. He he pointed people to God. He taught them how to be in relationship with God. He he taught them how to, to live and to love, and he ultimately gave up his life for them. And you see, what happened was, is we know the story. Jesus was unjustly accused, he was arrested, and he was taken in front of the court, and even Pilate, here you have the the, the religious leaders, they're taking him to Pilate, and they're saying, listen, we want you to, to crucify him, we want you to kill him, and Pilate said, he's done nothing wrong, like, what accusations do you have against him, they could find no wrong in him. But listen, they were so angry and they were so full of rage that this this man would come and he would blaspheme and he would call himself God and the religious leaders were so pious and they said that this is not possible. And so here, Pilate, he says this in Mark chapter 15, he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy, unjust, 
without cause. Jesus did nothing wrong. And here you see them full of anger to the point of wanting to kill him. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, just this isn't new to Jesus. Jesus knew this would happen. Jesus knew that he was called by God. In fact, he said this in John chapter 15 before any of this would happen. He said, they hated me without cause. He knew he would be rejected. He knew that he would be condemned. He knew that he would be hated. He knew that despite all of the good things that he had done, that this is what would happen. Both God-honoring men, both innocent both wrongfully treated and, and hated without cause. And listen, the, the story doesn't go on to say because of this they lived a difficult life. We know that because of this, Jesus lost his life. Joseph, too, lost a big portion of his life and his freedom. And that, that leads us really into our next point. Despite their innocent, despite uh, not doing anything wrong, Joseph and Jesus were both rejected, and they were condemned to die. You know, I, I love this story about Joseph because I, I don't really know how he wasn't picking up on the clues that his family didn't really love him. Like, obviously there's some strife here, there's some major drama, and he's, he's not really picking up on those clues. In fact, he does something really silly. You see, God gives him this ability. God gives him this gift to interpret dreams. And so he has this dream, and it involves his brothers. And after he knows that his brothers hate him, he knows that there's not, you know, there's this, this kind of like separation. He's like, I'm going to tell them this dream, right? And we know the dream. The dream is, is that they're out gathering bundles of grain and wheat. And as they're doing that, they bring their wheat in. And Joseph says, listen, here's what's going to happen. Your bundles of grain, your bundles of wheat are going to bow down to me. I mean, what are we thinking here, Joseph? What do you think they're going to do? Like here they are, and he's out with everything going on, and he's going to tell them this dream. And you know what? That was really the last straw. That was really the last straw for them. We read in, in uh, verse 18, chapter 37, verse 18, it says, Then they conspired against him to kill him. I mean, just, just think about this for a moment. I mean, this is your brother, <laughs> This is someone that you grew up with. This is someone that you did life with, that you, that you lived with, and, and all of these things. And, and, and here you are. Things are so bad. You're so angry. You're so full of jealousy and rage that you want to take his life. That's exactly where they were at. Now, listen, I, I come from a family uh, that we had a golden child, and I wasn't it. Now, I, I wanted to hurt my brother, but not kill him, right? Like, I, I wanted to do some things to let him know, hey, you might be the favorite, but, but, but I'm not okay with that. But I never wanted to kill him, right? That's a very, very serious thing. Luckily, one of his brothers has a heart, Reuben has a heart, and he says, no, let's, let's not kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands. Instead, let's just send him into slavery, right? We have a little bit of a heart here. Let's just push him off into slavery. And that is what happens. And you see, Talk about just, just this element of like so much bitterness and anger and hatred in someone that they would literally want to see someone so close to them die. That's where we're at. For no reason, no reason at all, Joseph was rejected, he was condemned, and he was led off into slavery, which many would believe that would have led to his imminent death. And so let's fast forward, and let's fast forward and look at the life of Jesus you know, I, I think what's so important here is that even though all of those things were happening to Joseph, God had a plan for Joseph. 
You see, God is good. God is faithful. And God had a plan for Joseph. And God has a plan for his son Jesus as well. We read in Mark chapter 15, as Jesus is again standing in front uh, on trial, if you will. It says, Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? Surely knowing that he has done no wrong. They shouted back with anger and bitterness and rage. They said, crucify him. Crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? What has he done? But the mob, they, they roared even louder. They were at the point of such hatred. They yelled, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. You see, after Pilate realized he knew that he had done nothing wrong, he was wanting to give them an opportunity to do what was right. You see, here's this innocent man, and he's standing before you. What has he done? He's done no wrong. But they said, crucify him. We want him dead. It was customary around Passover that they would release a criminal to show mercy and so here you have Pilate urging them to say, listen, you can do the right thing here. You can let Jesus go. But instead they said, no, crucify him, crucify him. What do they do? They let Barabbas go, a criminal. And they put an innocent man in jail. And the Bible says that he was led to his death. Just like Joseph, both innocent, both condemned to die. Just like Joseph for no reason, Jesus was rejected, Jesus was despised, Jesus was hated for no reason. But listen, just like God had a plan for Joseph, God had a plan for Jesus. God had a plan for Joseph and God had a plan for Jesus and that plan was of great provision. Here's what I mean, our next point, Joseph and Jesus both provided for God's people in a desperate time of need. Many of you know the continuance of the story of Joseph, right? A lot of highs and a lot of lows. Joseph gets sold into slavery. As he comes out of slavery, he's purchased by Potiphar, who is the, the royal guard uh, to King Pharaoh, if you will. And, and he's kind of elevated in that. And so he has this interaction, uh, you know, Potiphar's wife comes after him and he remains faithful. And so Potiphar isn't happy with this, so he puts him in jail. So you go from low to high, again to low now, and you're in jail. And so God uses this gift for him, and he interprets a, a couple of dreams for some, some, of, uh, you know, some of the guys in there. And, and, and so they go back, and he said, listen, when you go back, please tell them about me that I can do this. He's, he's holding on to hope. And he's, it says that they go on, and they forget about him. And then one time, uh, Pharaoh starts having dreams. And as he, Pharaoh is having these dreams, one of the guys that, that Joseph interpreted the dream in prison said, oh, I forgot, I know this, I know this man who interpreted my dreams and, and he can do the same for you. And so Pharaoh sends out for him and brings Joseph into his presence and Joseph interprets his dream and Pharaoh is blown away. And what does he do? He elevates him. Pharaoh says, there is no one else that will be in second of command but you, Joseph, you will be under me. So he's elevated again at the right time. God is faithful, and, and he remains faithful to the dream that he interprets. And you remember one of those dreams is that there's going to be a time of famine. And so they store up all of these things. And so all of a sudden you have Joseph here in his faithfulness to God. God at the right time, at just the right moment, elevates him, and he now is going to be a provisionary. Listen to what happens in Genesis 41, verse 57. It says, while in command, he trusts God's direction 
And it says, all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all of the land. You see, in the midst of all of Joseph's difficulties, all of his trials, all of the things that he had experienced, all of those things, God, at just the right time, used him to provide. Did you know today that we are in a time of spiritual famine? I mean, all you have to do is turn the news on today, and the things that are accepted now that were never accepted before will blow you away. What sin is okay in our world, and what is happening is we're beginning to see this idea that everything is okay, that sin is okay, that we can just do whatever we want, but that is not the truth. And here's the thing, every single one of us, every one of us in this room, we have a desperate need for God, a spiritual need. You know, Jesus teaches this, and it's so interesting, in John 6, 35, he replied as he's teaching, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. You see, what Jesus is doing is we all know how important food and water and nourishment is into our survival, don't we? But what he's saying is something is far deeper than your necessity for food and for water. You have a spiritual need. We all have a spiritual need. And the only way that that need can be fulfilled is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the way to God. No man comes to him except through me. And so he's getting us to understand that yet we might not be hungry, we might have enough to eat, but listen, every single one of us has a spiritual need. Friend, I don't know where you stand in your relationship with God, but the Bible is very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages, the payment for that sin is death. Not only physical, but spiritual, eternal separation from God. There's a chasm in between our relationship and God because of sin. And the only way that we can be made right in the eyes of God is to put our faith in the way, Jesus Christ. Nothing good that we can do, nothing that we can say, nothing. It's all through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that is how we are eternally secure in relationship with him. If you've never made that decision today, I would, I would urge you, please, talk to myself, talk to, to Pastor John or, or someone who brought you to see just how easy it is to receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive. Let's end with this today. Both of the stories, I believe, kind of end the same way. Both the stories of Joseph and Jesus end up with people, with people bowing down to the rejected ruler. You see, Joseph went through a lot of trials on his way to greatness. <laughs> Joseph went through the depths and the highs and the lows of life, and at just the right time, God elevated him. Even though he was hated by his family, even though he was wrongfully imprisoned, even though he experienced some of the most difficult things in life, God put him in a position of power and promise at just the right time. And you know, wherever you're at in your situation today, God is right in the middle of that situation God is right in the middle of that relationship. God is right in the middle of whatever it is that you might be struggling with. And at just the right time, in his timing, in his purpose, he wants to do what he needs to do in your life. This is years later. What happens is Joseph's family, who had deserted him, who had left him, his brothers who had left him to die, really, it says that they are experiencing this famine. 
They're experiencing what we're talking about and what, what he was in charge of. And it says that they came down to get some food. Let's uh, finish the story in, in Genesis 42. It says, so Joseph's ten other older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. It says, since Joseph was governor over all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all of the people, it was to him that his brothers came. Listen to this. It says, when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Do you remember the dream that he told his brothers? <laughs> Do you remember that he said this is what would happen? Well, here you have Joseph, the rejected ruler, the one who was envied, the one who was hated, the one that God said, I have given you the power to do these dreams. Stay faithful, Joseph. Stay faithful to me. And he was. And here you have that prophecy fulfilled. And you know, what's so interesting about this is that Joseph didn't say, look at what you did to me. Joseph didn't say, look at, look at how you mistreated me, and you deserve this type of punishment. I'm in charge, and you deserve this. No, Joseph didn't say that. He said, I'm going to provide for you, because that is what God has called me to do. You know, Joseph and Jesus' stories are the same, even though... The religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and those who wanted Jesus dead, even though they killed him, they were successful. They beat him, they, they tortured him, they hung him on a cross, and they put him in a grave, and they rolled a tomb in front of that grave. They might have been successful, but we know the story, don't we? The Bible says that Jesus is God, and he had the power to defeat sin and death and the grave, and that's exactly what he did. And here's what we all need to understand. Because he is God, because he is powerful, because he defeated death, one day, every single one of us, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. In fact, we read it in Philippians chapter 2. It says, being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And listen, to the glory of God the Father. You see, here is the truth. One day, every single one of us, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we will meet face to face with our King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there will be a moment where we will all bow down to him and we will take the crowns of the good things that we have done and we will lay that at his feet to elevate him. And then that's not it. Those who despised him, those who rejected him, those who decided not to give their life to him, who will spend eternity in hell separated from him, the Bible says they too will bow. Every knee will bow. And both stories will end the same with us worshiping and bowing before our God, God of heaven, Jesus Christ. One day we will all do that. Hallelujah. I can't wait for that day. Thank you, Jesus, that you would recognize us as sinners, even in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, so many, many years ago, God had a plan, not just for Israel, not just for Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and Jacob, and Joseph, and, and the people of Israel. No, God had a plan for us. In Genesis chapter 1, everything was perfect. Genesis chapter 3, two chapters later, we decided to sin and ruined everything. But in Genesis 3.15, God had a plan, and that plan was always Jesus. It was always Jesus. Let's close with this, uh, close the series with this. I, I think this is, this to me in the story really is what 
applies it to me, and, and maybe it will do the same for you. You know, I, I think when someone has done me wrong, <laughs> I, I have a, I'm a grudge holder. Anybody a grudge holder? You're kind of like me, like loyalty is important. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay, good. But then you think of like family, and you might have strife and tension in family, and like, I can't believe that you would do this to me. <laughs> you know, I, I think, Joseph, when you're standing face to face with your brothers, and, and they literally were, number one, plotting to kill you. Number two, they sold you into slavery. Like, you have every right to be angry. You have every right to say, listen, I am now the second in command. I'm going to give you what you deserve. I'm not going to feed you. You can starve to death, right? All the things that we want to hold on to. But here's what I want us to see. Joseph knew that God was faithful. And Joseph knew that despite all of the things that he allowed to happen in his life, God will fulfill his plan. And listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 45. His brothers didn't even recognize him. It had been so long. And he says this. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But listen, don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to the place. And I want us to hear this. It was God who sent me. It was God who allowed this to happen. It was God who put me through the trial. It was God who used this to fulfill his promise. Everything was God. It was always a, a, a God. It was always about God. It will always be about God. And you see, we hold on. But what we need to understand is that God had a plan from the very beginning, and that plan was Jesus. Listen, I don't know what you're going through in your life. Maybe it's a difficult situation, and you ask God why. God, why would you allow this to happen in my life? God, why would you allow this to impact my relationship? God, why would you allow my little brother to die of a heroin overdose? God, why would you allow my parents to be divorced twice? <laughs> God, why would you allow this? God, why would you allow that? But you see, the truth is, is that God uses all things, all things for the purpose of good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, Jesus was called. Joseph was called. You are called. So regardless of what it is that you have in your life, please know, this is not a fun cool story in Genesis chapter 37. This is the living God setting your story, rewriting your story, giving you Jesus so that you can have life both today and for eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and it's active and it penetrates our hearts. God, thank you that you use people, characters who go through life God, that we can look at and relate to, but to see, Lord, that you have been faithful. You were faithful in the story of Joseph, and God, you are faithful to our story today because of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you stopped at nothing, God, to be in relationship with us. Thank you that you gave the most precious thing to you, Father, your son, to die in our place so that we could receive your righteousness and we could spend eternity with you in your presence, Lord Jesus. God, if there is anyone in this room who needs to put their faith in you today, would your words and the power of your Holy Spirit tug on their hearts and lead them to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.